0: chapter 13 of unleavened bread this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org unleavened bread by robert grant chapter 13 pauline littleton was now established in her new lodgings having been freed by her brother's marriage from the responsibilities of a housewife she was able to concentrate her attention on the work in which she was interested her classes absorbed a large part of her time the remainder was devoted to writing to girls in other cities who sought her advice in regard to courses of study and to correspondence consultation and committee meetings with a group of women in new york and elsewhere who like herself were engrossed in educational matters she was glad to have the additional time thus afforded her for pursuing her own tastes and the day seemed too short for what she wished to accomplish she occupied two pleasant rooms within easy walking distance of her brother's house her classes took her from home four days in the week and two mornings in every seven were spent at her desk with her books and papers in the agreeable labor of planning and correspondence naturally one of her chief desires was to be on loving terms with her brother's wife and to do everything in her power to add to selma's happiness she summoned her women friends to meet her sister-in-law at afternoon tea all of these called on the bride and some of them invited her to their houses they were busy women like pauline herself intent in their several ways on their vocations or avocations they were disposed to extend the right hand of fellowship to mrs littleton whom they without exception regarded as interesting in appearance but they had no leisure for immediate intimacy with her having been introduced to her and having scheduled her in their minds as a new and desirable acquaintance they went their ways trusting chiefly to time to renew the meeting and to supply the evidence as to the stranger's social value busy people in a large city are obliged to argue that newcomers should win their spurs and that great minds valuable opinions and moving social graces are never crushed by inhumanity but are certain sooner or later to gain recognition therefore after being very cordial and expressing the hope of seeing more of her in the future every one departed and left selma to her duties and her opportunities as littleton's wife without having the courtesy to indicate that they considered her a superior woman. Pauline regarded this behavior on the part of her friends as normal, and having done her social duty in the afternoon tea line, without a suspicion that Selma was disappointed by the experience, she gave herself up to the congenial undertaking of becoming intimate with her sister-in-law. She ascribed Selma's reserve and cold, serious manner partly to shyness due to her new surroundings and partly to the spiritual rigor of the puritan conscience and point of view she had often been told that individuals of this temperament possessed more depth of character than more emotional and social facile people and she was prepared to woo in comparison with wilbur pauline was accustomed to regard herself as a practical and easy-going soul but she was essentially a woman of fine and vigorous moral and mental purpose like many of her associates in active life however she had become too occupied with concrete possibilities to be able to give much thought to her own soul anatomy and thus she was glad to look up to her brother's wife as a spiritual superior and to recognize that the burden lay on herself to demonstrate her own worthiness to be adopted to close intimacy on equal terms wilbur was to her a creature of light and she had no doubt that his wife was of the same ethereal composition Pauline was glad, too, of the opportunity, really, to know a countrywoman of a type so different from her own friends. She, like Wilbur, had heard all her life of these interesting and inspiring beings, intense, marvelously capable, peerless, free-born creatures, Penelopeed in chastity and endowed with congenial mental power and bodily charms, who were able to cook, educate children, control society, and write literature in the course of the day's employment. The newspapers, and popular opinion, had given her to understand that these were the true Americans, and caused her to ask herself whether the circle to which she herself belonged was not retrograde from a nobler idea, in what way she did not precisely understand, except that she and her friends did not altogether disdain nice social usages and conventional womanly ways but nevertheless the impression had remained in her mind that she must be at fault somehow and it interested her that she would now be able to understand wherein she was inferior she went to see selma as often as she could and encouraged her to call at her lodgings on the mornings when she was at home expecting that it might please her sister-in-law to become familiar with the budding educational enterprises and that thus a fresh bond of sympathy would be established between them Selma presented herself three or four times in the course of the next three months and on the first occasion expressed gratifying appreciation of the coziness of the new lodgings i almost envy you she said your freedom to live your own life and do just what you like it must be delightful away up here where you can see over the tops of the houses and almost touch the sky and there is no one to disturb the current of your thoughts it must be a glorious place to work and write i shall ask you to let me come up here sometimes when i wish to be alone with my ideas as often as you like you shall have a pass-key i should think says selma continuing to gaze with a far-away look over the vista of roofs which the top story of the apartment house commanded that you would be a great deal happier than if you had married him the pause which ensued caused her to look around and add jauntily oh i have heard you know about dr page a wave of crimson spread over pauline's face the crimson of wounded surprise which froze selma's genial intentions to the core "'I didn't think you'd mind talking about it,' she said stiffly. "'Oh, there's nothing to talk about. "'Since you mentioned it, Dr. Page is a dear friend of mine "'and will always continue to be, I hope.' "'I knew you were nothing but friends,' Selma answered. "'She felt wounded in her turn. "'She had come with the wish to be gracious and companionable, "'and it had seemed to her a happy thought "'to congratulate Pauline on the wisdom of her decision.' she did not like people who were not ready to be communicative and discuss their intimate concerns the episode impaired the success of the first morning visit at the next which occurred a fortnight later pauline announced that she had a piece of interesting news do you know a mr joel flag in benham i know who he is said selma i have met his daughter it seems he has made a fortune in oil and real estate and is desirous to build a college for women in memory of his mother sarah westmore One of my friends has just received a letter from a Mrs. Hallett-Taylor, to whom Mr. Flagg appears to have applied for counsel, and who wishes some of us who are interested in educational matters to serve as an advisory committee. Probably you know Mrs. Taylor, too. Oh, yes, I have been at her house, and I have served with her on the committee which awarded Wilbur the church. Why, then you are the very person to tell us all about her. I think I remember now having heard Wilbur mention her name. Wilbur fancied her, I believe. Your tone, rather, implies that you did not. You must tell me everything you know. My friend has corresponded with her before, in regard to some artistic matters. But she has never met her. Her letter suggests a lady. I dare say you would like Mrs. Taylor, said Selma gravely. She is attractive, I suppose, and seemed to know more or less about European art and pictures. But we in Benham didn't consider her exactly an American. If you really wish to know my opinion, I think that she was too exclusive a person to have fine ideas. That's a pity. If she lived in New York, she would like to be one of those society ladies who lived on Fifth Avenue, only she hasn't really any conception of what true elegance is. Her house there, except for the ornaments she had bought abroad, was not so well furnished as the one I lived in. I wonder what she would think if she could look into the drawing-room of my friend Mrs. Williams." I see, said Pauline, though in truth she was puzzled. I am sorry if she is a fine lady. But people like that when they become interested are often excellent workers. It is a noble gift of Mr. Flagg's. Five hundred thousand as a foundation fund? He is a good American at all events. Wilbur must certainly compete for the building, and his having first met you there ought to be an inspiration to him to do fine work. Selma had been glad of the opportunity to criticize Mrs. Hallett Taylor, whom she had learned by the light of her superior social knowledge to regard as an unimportant person yet she had been conscious of a righteous impulse in saying what she thought of her she knew that she had never liked mrs taylor and she was not pleased to hear that mr flagg had selected her from among the women of benham to superintend the administration of this splendid gift benham had come to seem to her remote and primitive yet she preferred and was in the mood to think that it represented the principles which were dear to her and that she had been appreciated there far better than in her present sphere she was still tied to benham by correspondence with mrs earle selma had written at once to explain her sudden departure and letters passed between them at intervals of a few weeks letters on selma's part fluent with dazzled metropolitan condensation yet containing every now and then a stern charge against her new fellow citizens on the score of levity and worldliness. the donation for the establishment of wetmore college was made shortly after another institution For the education of women in which Pauline was interested, Everdeen College had been open to students. The number of applicants for admission to Everdeen had been larger than the authorities had anticipated, and Pauline, who had been one of the promoters and most active workers in raising funds for and supervising the construction of this labor of love, was jubilant over the outlook and busy in regard to a variety of new matters presented for solution by the suddenly evolved needs of the situation. Among these was the acquisition of two or three new women instructors, and it occurred to Pauline at once that Selma might know of some desirable candidate. Selma appeared to manifest but little interest in this inquiry at the time, but a few months subsequent to their conversation in regard to Mrs. Taylor, she presented herself at Pauline's rooms one morning with the announcement that she had found someone. Pauline, who was busy at her desk, asked permission to finish a letter before listening, so there was silence for a few minutes and selma who wore a new costume of a more fashionable guise than her last reflected while she waited that the details of such work as occupied her sister-in-law must be tedious indeed she had begun to entertain of late a sort of contempt for the deliberate delving processes of the littletons she was inclined to ask herself if wilbur and pauline were not both plotters her own idea of doing things was to them quickly and brilliantly arriving at conclusions as became an american with prompt energy and dispatch it seemed to her that wilbur in his work was slow and elaborate disposed to hesitate and refine instead of producing boldly and immediately and her sister with her studies in letter-writing suggested the same wearisome tendency why should not wilbur in his line act with the confident enterprise and capacity to produce immediate ostensible results which their neighbor gregory williams displayed as for Pauline, of course, she had not Wilbur's talent, and could not, perhaps, be expected to shine conspicuously, but surely she might make more of herself if only she would cease to spend so much time in details and cogitation with nothing tangible to show for her labor. Selma remembered her own experience as a small school teacher, and her thankfulness at her escape from a petty task unworthy of her capabilities. And she smiled scornfully to herself as she sat waiting at what she regarded pauline's willingness to spend her energies in such inconspicuous self-effacing work indeed when pauline had finished her letter and announced that she was now entirely at leisure selma felt impelled to remark i should think pauline that you would give a course of lectures on education we should be glad to have them at our house and your friends ought to be able to dispose of a great many tickets such a thing had never occurred to selma until this moment but it seemed to her as she heard her own words a brilliant suggestion both as a step forward for pauline and a social opportunity for herself on education my dear selma you have no idea of the depths of my ignorance education is an enormous subject and i am just beginning to realize how little i know concerning it people have talked and written about education enough what we need and what some of us are trying to do is to study statistics and observe results i am very much obliged to you but i should only make myself a laughing-stock i don't think you would you've spent a great deal of time in learning about education and you must have interesting things to say you are too modest and don't you think it may be that you are not quite enterprising enough a course of lectures would call public attention to you and you would get ahead faster perhaps i think that you and wilbur are both inclined to hide your light under a bushel it seems to me that one can be conscientious and live up to one's ideals, without neglecting one's opportunities. The difficulty is, said Pauline with a laugh, that I shouldn't regard it as an opportunity, and I am sure it wouldn't help me to get ahead, as you call it, with the people I desire to impress, to give afternoon tea or women club lectures. I don't know enough to lecture effectively. As to enterprise, I am busy from morning until night. What more can a woman do? You mustn't hurry, Wilbur Selma. All he needs is time to let the world see his light. Very likely. Of course, if you don't consider that you know enough, there is nothing to be said. I thought of it because I used to lecture in Benham at the Benham Institute, and I am sure it helped me to get ahead. I used to think a great deal about educational matters, and perhaps I will set you the example by giving some lectures myself. That would be very interesting. If a person has new ideas and has confidence in them, it is natural to wish to let the world hear them pauline spoke amiably but she was disposed to regard her sister with more critical eyes she felt no annoyance at the patronizing tone toward herself but the reference to wilbur made her blood rebel still she could not bear to harbor distrust against that grave face with its delicate beauty and spiritualized air which was becomingly accommodated to metropolitan conditions by a more festive bonnet than any which she herself owned. Yet she noticed that the thin lips had an expression of discontent, and she wondered why. Recurring to the errand on which she had come, Selma explained that she had just received a letter from Benham from her friend Mrs. Margaret Rodney Earle, an authoress and a promulgator of advanced and original ideas in respect to the cause of womanhood. Ask if she happened to know of an opening for a gifted young lady in any branch of intellectual work. I thought at once of Everdeen, said Selma, and have come to give you the opportunity of securing her. Paulina expressed her thanks cordially, and inquired if Mrs. Earle had referred to the candidate's experience or special fitness for the duties of the position. She writes that she is very clever and gifted. I did not bring the letter with me, but I think Mrs. Earle's language was that Miss Bailey will perform brilliantly any duties which may be entrusted to her that is rather general said pauline i am sorry that she didn't specify what miss bailey's education has been and whether she has taught elsewhere mrs earle wouldn't have recommended her if she hadn't felt sure that she was well educated i remember seeing her at the benham institute on one of the last occasions when i was present she delivered a whistling solo which everyone thought was clever and melodious i dare say she is just the person we are looking for said pauline leniently it happens that mrs granger my friend to whom mrs taylor wrote concerning mr flagg's gift is to pay mrs taylor a visit at benham next week in order to consider the steps to be taken in regard to wetmore college she and miss bailey can arrange to meet and that will save miss bailey the expense of a journey to new york at the possible risk of disappointment i thought said selma that you would consider yourselves fortunate to secure her services i dare say we shall be very fortunate selma but we cannot engage her without seeing her and testing her qualifications selma made no further demur at the delay but she was obviously surprised and piqued that her offer should be treated in this elaborate fashion she was obliged to acknowledge to herself that she could not reasonably expect pauline to make a definite decision without further inquiry but she had expected to be able to report to mrs earle that the matter was as good as settled that if Miss Bailey would give a few particulars as to her accomplishments, the position would be hers. Surely she and Mrs. Earle were qualified to choose a schoolteacher. Here was another instance of the Littleton tendency to waste time on unimportant details. She reasoned that a woman with more wide-awake perceptions would have recognized the opportunity as unusual, and would have snapped up Miss Bailey on the spot. The sequel was more serious, Neither Selma nor Pauline spoke of the matter for a month. Then it was broached by Pauline, who wrote a few lines to the effect that she was sorry to report that the authorities of Everdeen, after investigation, had concluded not to engage the services of Miss Bailey as instructor. When Selma read the note, her cheeks burned with resentment. She regarded the decision as an affront. Pauline dined with them on the evening of that day, and at table Selma was cold and formal. When the two women were alone, Selma said at once, with an attempt at calmness, "'What fault did you find with my candidate?' "'I think it is possible that she might have been satisfactory from the mere point of scholarship, judiciously,' answered Pauline, who did not realize in the least that her sister-in-law was offended, though Mrs. Granger stopped short of close inquiry on that score for the reason that Miss Bailey failed to satisfy our requirements in another respect.' I don't wish to imply by what I am going to say anything against her character or her capacity for usefulness as a teacher under certain conditions, but I confide to you frankly, Selma, that we made it an absolute condition and the choice of instructors for our students that they should be first of all ladylike in thought and speech. And here it was that she felt short. Of course, I have never seen Miss Bailey, but Mrs. Granger reported that she was uh, impossible you mean that your friend does not consider her a lady she isn't a society lady but i did not suppose an american girl would be refused a position as a teacher for such a reason as that a lady is a lady whether she is what you term a society lady or not mrs granger told us that miss bailey's appearance and manners did not suggest the womanly refinement which we deem indispensable to those who are to teach our college students five years ago only scholarship and cleverness were demanded but experience has taught the educators of women that this was a mistake i presume said selma with dramatic scorn that mrs hall taylor disapproved of her i thought there would be some such outcome when i heard that she was to be consulted mrs taylor's name was not mentioned answered pauline in astonishment i had no idea selma that you regarded this as a personal matter you told me that you had seen miss bailey but once I am interested in her because because I I do not like to see a cruel wrong done. You do not understand her. You allow a prejudice, a clean prejudice, to interfere with her career and the opportunity to display her abilities. You should have trusted Mrs. Earl Pauline. She is my friend, and she recommended Miss Bailey because she believed in her. It is a reflection on me and my friends to intimate that she is not a lady. She bent forward from the sofa with her hands clasped and her lips tightly compressed for a moment she gazed angrily at the bewildered pauline then as though she had suddenly bethought of her new york manner she drew herself up and said with a forced laugh if the reason you give were not so ridiculous i should be seriously offended 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 with pauline exclaimed littleton who entered the room at the moment it cannot be that my two guardian angels have had a falling out he looked from one to the other brightly as if it were really a joke it is nothing said selma it seems said pauline with fervor that i have unintentionally hurt selma's feelings it is the last thing in the world i wish to do and i trust that when she thinks the matter over she will realize that i am innocent i am very very sorry chapter